0: I'm so glad you're here today. See, as we are in a series right now that is all about the foundational beliefs, the vision, the personality, if you want to say, of this church. See, what happens is you guys maybe just came to town. You're a freshman at K-State or one of the other schools here in town or, or maybe the military just brought you in and stationed you here and you're, you're looking for a church home. And you start looking. And if not careful, you'll base your decision on everything that is wrong. Hey, it's not bad stuff. It's just not important stuff. It's kind of like when you're picking a spouse and you're thinking about all the wrong stuff because you're looking at the window dressing. You you look at how her hair is, the smell, I mean, the clothes that she has, and, and, and you make a decision on makeup and hairspray and you don't think about the integrity and the character of the individual. Guys, that's a bad idea. Ladies, on the other hand, it's a bad idea as well. Hey, when it comes to churches, do you realize we all have personalities? Churches do as well, and, and, and you have developed values and beliefs and, and thoughts about what's right and wrong, and some of it you haven't even stopped to consider whether what you believe is right or wrong. And when you look at a church, if you look at the building and whether they have good coffee, whether they serve donuts, how nice the building is, does the preacher have hair or not hair? You know, hey, when you make decisions on things like that, you're looking at window dressing, you're looking at makeup, you're not looking at what matters most. Well, if you've missed the start of this series, I want to ask you to go back and look at this. Take a look, listen to the last couple of weeks because they're really important. It'll help you to say, do I I match or do I not? And if you don't match, it might be that, do you need to change or do you need to look for a different place? Here's the thing, so often our belief system has been developed and what we like that is about personality and about preference and about things that doesn't really matter much has been formed at a young age and we don't really think about it when we get up to when it really does matter. As a church, we're talking about what drives us. And so some of what you hear, you may go, oh, I love that. And some of what you hear, you may go, hmm, I'm not so sure what I think about that. Well, I want to challenge you to take anything I say back to the word always and to make your decision based off of what matters. So if you're in the church shopping mode right now, I wanna ask that you go through this series and don't just jump from place to place to place because that doesn't help where the hoot, you're just looking at window dressing, you're not hearing the heart. And so that's why we're starting out with our vision, our our mission and our values of, of who we are and where we're headed. And so that way as you listen, you can go, okay, now I know what University Christian Church is about. If you jump from place to place to place, What happens is it's like going into the political science class at K-State and listening for a week and then going, you know what, I think I'm going to go over to the geography class now and I'm going to listen for a week and then I think I'm going to go over to chemistry and I'm going to listen to that and then I'm going to go over to some, uh, the math department and then I'm going to go to the leadership studies and why, why haven't I learned anything? Because you never stuck around long enough to learn anything. If you're going to be in a relationship, which is kind of what we're talking about here, it's going to take some time and it's going to take grace. You're going to need a lot of grace if you stick around the church for a while because you're going to do something wrong and that's the whole idea of the gospel. You have a Savior who's given you grace. And if you're going to stick around a church for very long, you're going to have to forgive the church and you're going to have to forgive the preacher because he's going to offend you at some point. And we're going to do something that maybe we should have done differently or could have done better and you're gonna give grace because that's what the cross is all about. Well, that's enough jump in. Let me give you a quick recap of where we've been. So our vision is to be a church as we've entitled this whole series that boldly brings the hope of Jesus Christ to this community and the surrounding area. See, it's not about the preacher. It's not about how bold I am. It's not a matter of how tense I am. It's a matter of who we are as a church. See, it's my dream, it's our dream as a church that the whole body of University Christian Church would be so bold in their faith that they would be bold in sharing it with others, that they'd boldly walk out and say, this is who I am as a follower of Christ and that they would not be ashamed. It's not a Sunday morning thing. It's an all week kind of thing. And how we're gonna do that? Is through our mission. And that is that we're going to love God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind. We're going to love our neighbor just as we love ourselves, as the Bible calls us to. And then we're going to introduce people who need to hear the hope of Jesus Christ. And we're going to introduce them to Jesus. And that together, we're gonna reach this community and make an impact that we can never do alone. Now, the first week of that was biblical authority. That was the first value. Everything we do and say filters through that. Hey, well, of course, you're a church. No, no, wait, no, wait a minute. There are a lot of churches that don't necessarily start with the scripture. And while we have our faults, we have our problems, it's one thing we really work to start with. And so we challenge you to be people of the word. Now, let me challenge you to understand it's so vital to get into the word of God yourself. Too many times, the average churchgoer comes in and they eat on Sunday morning and they go, okay, my spiritual food for the week, I'm going to a smorgasbord, I might even go to two or three services and really get stuffed, and then they don't spiritually eat another thing on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, on Thursday, and then they wonder why they're dry, and and they're they're like, man, the church isn't feeding me, and I just don't understand why this isn't any good. Well, dude, have you thought about maybe feeding yourself Monday through Saturday? And so everything that we believe, the programs we have, what I preach, how I respond to culture, is through this filter, the Word of God. And it is the Word of God. That's what I believe in the bottom of my heart. And today, we're going to deal with another subject. I'm excited to share this with you. It is one that the disciples were confused with. They thought they got the message, and they didn't get the message, and then they were sure they got the message, and they still didn't have the message. and, And I so wish that We could say, oh, yeah, they figured it out in the first generation, but yet it is a huge problem still today. It has to do with just a simple two words, all people. We're going to talk about this, and you go, what are you talking about? Now, I want to challenge you as we open up the Word of God and as we look at what Jesus commanded and what he called us to do, could I ask you to please open up your hearts, And maybe just say a simple prayer with me as I'm going to pray as I open this up and say, God, maybe does this apply to me? Because if it applied to the original disciples he walked with and talked with and saw all kinds of miracles and they struggled, maybe you might struggle with this more than you think you do. I know that I see it everywhere in culture and it's something I've had to fight through in my own life as well. So let me say a prayer and then let's open the word of God. Dear Lord, I thank you so very much for the truth that you've given us. I'm thankful for the cross and grace that I did not deserve. I'm so thankful that you are alive and active and never give up on us. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, open our hearts to the message that you've given to us. Help us to see what needs to change, what areas we need to repent of, to let the light of your truth shine. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Jesus gave this radical commandment in Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse 18 and following. It says, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands. I'm getting a theme here, all, all, all. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He has all authority, and he's told us to reach all people, to teach them all that he has given us, and that he'll always be with us. You know, God's love is so amazing. It is so wide. It is so deep. It is, so, it is just so all-encompassing, and it transforms lives. But there's this human tendency to put God in a box, and, and this box is usually of our culture and our comfort zone, and, and say, here's where God's love is, and here's where his limits are. And, and, and he loves he, he loves this group more than that group. And then he, we get into this internal struggle of, of trying to define God's love and, and where to give God's love and where to limit God's love. And then we even do some stupid stuff, and, and it is bred from our own insecurities where Satan loves to speak into our hearts and say, Dude, you're, you're, he loves the world, but maybe not you. You've kind of messed up a little bit. And then we go, Oh, man, I haven't. Boy, he does love the world, but does he love me? And we start to doubt that, and then we wonder why we're insecure and why we're struggling, and and we wonder why we, we don't maybe grab hold of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Could I tell you the answer to that question? Does he love you? A thousand times, yes, he does. You need to tell the liar to go back to hell. That is a lie from the pit of hell. See, God wants to free you from this bondage of this world, from the bondage of insecurity. He loved you so much that he sent his son to die on the cross that you might be forgiven and set free when you did not deserve it. And it is so amazing, this love of God becoming human and hanging on a cross, taking our punishment upon himself. Not only did he die for us and be put in the grave, three days later, you know, the good news is don't let this go to old news. This is incredible. He came back to life and to show he had victory over sin and over death, and he went on to prepare a place for you that where he goes, you might go also. See, this is the good news that was for you, not for somebody else, not just for the generalization of the world, but for you. Now, here's the problem we struggle with. Believing that we're lovable sometimes. And sometimes that's through the eyes of our parents or through the eyes of others, through the eyes of abuse, whatever it may be. And you gotta shut those lies down and just say, okay, I accept that. Now we have another problem though. Sometimes it's not a matter of wondering whether we're lovable. We just kind of wonder whether they are lovable. Yeah, I'm lovable, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm sitting right next to me. I've been coming to church with him for years and I'm not so sure that he's loved. And, you know, and not only is it the person maybe next to us, maybe it's the country next to us. Maybe it's a people group next to us. Maybe, maybe it's a whole generalization of whatever and we don't like people with tattoos. We don't like people who went to KU. I mean, well, that may be, but uh, yeah, well, there, are, there are all kinds of reasons that we put together as to why people should be loved or not. Does God really love the whole world? Yes. He doesn't lo- I, 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 hear me? I'm sorry to burst your bubble. I love this country. I am so thankful to be in the United States of America, but he doesn't love this country any more than he does Ethiopia or Mexico or any other one in the world. And yet we struggle with that in our own belief system. And where do we get that from? Well, you just go back to the time of Jesus. God gives this commandment, go into all the world. All my followers are give this message to all the people and they're like, yes we will. Let's go tell the Jews. All the people, we are all the people. These are the only people. And <laughs> They aren't people, God, we are the people. We are your people. And they missed how it even said in the Old Testament, he's gonna make his name great among all the nations that he's gonna, he's, gonna, he's gonna send this hope for all the world. It's not not just, God used the, the Jewish people. He used the, the, the nation of Israel. But he loved the world and he loved the world so much he sent his son to die on a cross that they might experience life. And here's the problem, the Jewish culture had been taught from a young age that they had a Messiah, a Christ, a, a savior who would come and he would deliver Israel. He would deliver the Jews. And that was the world. A savior of the world? (laughs) Here's the thing, we make Christ in our image. This is a culture problem. Whatever culture we're in, we make him in our image. And we demand that everybody else sees him in our image. See, the Jewish followers totally got the message to go and make disciples, they did, they made Jewish disciples. And so when the Holy Spirit started bringing Hellenistic people in and Gentiles in, which Gentiles is just anybody who's not a Jew, and when when they brought Samaritans, which were considered half-breeds, and and they hated the half-breeds, they were lower than, and and it was just, what? What are you doing, God? Oh, God has given us a very clear, beautiful message The gospel of Jesus Christ is so beautiful, it is so clear, it is so absolutely, here's the message of Jesus Christ as we've already gone over, over and over, but it was so muddied up in the ears and the heart of those who listened. So it all got brought to a head, and it got brought to a head where Peter and Cornelius came together, and God's like, I'm going to make this clear. Peter is one of the original disciples closest to Jesus, he was right there with him, and And he was right in the midst of this problem as well. Now, I'm not going to go through the whole story because everyone who listened and and jumped onto the app and has been reading the the plan and and following along with your journal, you've already read the story on Friday and Saturday. And for those who didn't, you get an F. F. And and no, I'm teasing. (laughs) I really encourage you, go back and read it. You know, download our app, start reading with that, because it so helps you prepare for Sunday, and it's about feeding yourself every day. I don't want you to be spiritually malnourished. And so we read about this Friday and Saturday. Peter and Cornelius have this incredible encounter where, where God meets Cornelius and says, okay, you're a God fearing man. You're not a Jew. You're a centurion. You're a leader in the Roman army. You're a totally different picture of person than I'm going to meet with Peter, but I want you to send for Peter. And so this angel talks to him on one hand, and then God goes and talks to Peter for prayer's heart because Peter would by no means even want to talk to this guy, let alone go to his house. He's like, go to his house? Uh uh-uh. uh. Peter was a Jew who was a fisherman. He was from a whole different class of people, a different nationality, a different status, everything. And God had to break his world up and help him to see his love for the whole world, not just for Peter. He absolutely loved Peter. He absolutely loved the nation of Israel. But he also loved the whole world, and he had told the whole world to, this is the target. This is where we're going. This is our mission what well, causes us to just fall into these silly biases and sometimes downright evil bias? I mean, we, we change the word a lot of times because we don't really like the word prejudice. That's gotten towards ugly, and plus we tend to think of that as ethnicity only. It gets so much deeper than that. I and mean, I see how classes of what we call upper, middle, and lower, and how I don't want to hang out with them. I mean, I mean, and we look down upon certain parts of town or what people drive or how they dress or whether they have tattoos, whether they have hair, whether they don't have hair, all these different reasons of whether we like them or don't like them. And, and God doesn't care about that. You know what he looks at? He looks at the heart. We look at the external. He looks at the heart. And if we're going to be serious about the business of God, then we got to love the people whom God loves, and we got to get rid of what gets in the way. So let me challenge you to think about, do you see people through the eyes of God or through your own eye, through your own heart, through your own culture? See, I have to fight with that because it's a constant thing. We get influenced from a young age. It might have been your mom and your dad. Hey, mom and dad may have done the best, but they they parroted what they heard from their grandparents. And in the family, it just kind of filters down and it just kind of comes right into our heart. It could be because of culture. You, you, you've you been just in a culture where those around you say, this is what's valuable, this is what we do, this is where we go. The American culture is very different from another culture and there are subcultures within the culture and you might have even bought into the lie of Hollywood and everything else or the news media has told you this is what's valuable. This is what's not valuable. And and we gotta be careful not to let that be the guiding factor rather than God. And it could be the experience that you encountered. This can go all the way back to when someone's abused and hurt as a child. You know that that can change their whole life if they don't root down and deal with that and find healing and God wants to set them free from because all of a sudden every man in the world is evil because of what happened, or, or every woman in the world is evil because of what happened. And or, or we do things. this happens in society all the time. Culture happens and experience happens where, let's just look back in the United States history. Every time we go to war, whatever people group we're at war with, what do we do? We, we, we make them the enemy even if they've been our neighbor. And that, that's in our own history where we would round up people in our own country and then put them in camps because we don't trust them because we're at war. We, even though they were born here, raised here, lived here, they were a friend last week. Now they're not because we're at war. And that, that happens, and that's wrong in our history, and we've got to be cautious. See, now, before you say, well, I would never do that. well, I think we all do that. I don't think, I know that we all do that. Peter was a godly man, loved the Lord with all of his heart. And if you think you're above that, then you think you're above even the apostle Peter. Peter struggled with this. I love what it comes down to in Acts chapter 10, verses 34 through 36. Peter has this aha moment. He says, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. Oh, I wish that just fixed everything. But, you know, Paul had to call him out because Peter slipped back into it later. And the whole church continued to fight with this. And and do we accept? Do we not accept? And what do we make them do? And what do they not have to do? And and you just read through Acts. The most segregated hour in America today and around the world is Sunday morning. it's because we started to fall in love with culture more than we love our Lord and love our people. So could I just challenge you to remember the message that we've been given? We've been called to be what? Ambassadors. We're to be the representation of Christ to a world that needs it so desperately. Hey, what an honor that God wants you to be the hands and the feet and he he wants you to go out and share his love with people who need this hope desperately. Hey, wow, wow. That's not Barry's job, it's our job. Oh, this is amazing. And you go, but, but Barry, why did you say God's messy ambassadors? Because you are, I am too. There's not one perfect person in this church. You know what we are, we're a bunch of forgiven sinners that have been saved by an amazing, perfect, incredible God who loves imperfect people and says, I want to unite you back. I want to make you whole. I want to give you grace. And it's not because of what any of us did. It's because of what Jesus did. See, this isn't about how good we are. It's about how good our God is. And so what are we called to do? We're called to go, we're called to be ambassadors and you have to have a spirit of humility and so just admit it, you're messy, that's okay but that means you got this incredible God and he's gonna shine through you. So what do we do? We talk about three things around here on a regular basis. You are called to listen before you start talking. Mama gave you a very clear thing that she gave me and my family too. You have two ears, one mouth. Think about it, Barry. And, And your mama probably told you that. We need to listen before we start talking. And too many times the church goes out and starts preaching and starts talking and they haven't even listened and they've never allowed someone even know whether they matter to God and whether they're even cared about and they become a project rather than a person to be loved. Don't you dare do that. That'll shut somebody down faster than anything else. You You gotta choose to love somebody and look at them through the eyes of God more than anything else. And so let me challenge you, are you more interested in others or are you more consumed with being interesting? You know what I'm talking about. We like to look a certain way. We want people to notice us. I was driving down uh, Bluemont earlier, and I'm with my wife. and just a day or two and I just bust out laughing. And she's like, what? I was like, man, that girl really wants to be seen. It was just funny. She's in this loud outfit and all this stuff, and she's getting ready to go to the gym, and she's got all workout clothes, and I've never seen so much makeup on a face. And I'm like... You don't go to the gym like that. At least you shouldn't. If you're not, if you sweat like me, it'll be all running down your face. But when it comes down to it, we so often want everybody to see us, men and women, children. Hey, notice me, notice me. Please notice people because there are people around you who are lonely and they're broken and they're hurting and they wonder if anybody cares about them. You might be the only one who says, hey, you matter, and I love you. Please be that. Be that hands and feet of God. People are wondering, am I lovable? God, could he love me? You're the one who's to take this message and give it. Don't hold back from this. Then you begin to share your story, and it's just something as simple as saying, hey, after you've invested in them, after you've listened and, and you weren't worried about what you're going to say, you really cared about what they had to say, you, you, you ministered and you followed up on that. You said, hey, I'm going to pray about that. And then you let them know that you prayed about that later and, because you genuinely heard their story. You say, hey, could I, I'd love to share what God's done in my life. And go, oh, no, that's what the preacher does. I just bring them to church. No, 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 no. I don't know your story. You're an expert on your story. Who were you before God? Who are you after God? When did you encounter Him? What happened? Tell Him now. Just tell Him about it. Nobody has your story. Your story is a miracle of God bringing life where you were dead. Share that gently and lovingly, and make sure this. Here's a problem that happens. Make sure the hero is Jesus, not you. you Hear that? Don't talk about sin as if it was such a good thing. Why, why do you have a Savior if, if it was so good? I hear people tell their story and they're like, oh yeah, I remember back in high school, let me tell you. Oh, I was a wild one. And now I'm just this boring Christian. It's what it kind of sounds like. and That's messed up. Why would they want to come to Christ? You know what it was really like back then. You were hopeless. You were without hope. You needed forgiveness. You were filling, you were filling a bottomless pit with stuff that wouldn't ever fill up. You're pouring alcohol in, you're pouring drugs in, or you're pouring relationship after relationship, you're pouring popularity, going, do I matter? Do I matter? Do I? And that's when you find God and you go, I finally matter. Make sure that they hear that Jesus is the King, your Savior, your Christ. He's the one who offers hope because if you make yourself the, the King of the story, then why would they want the real King? And then in the process, you get to share the God story of a God who loved them so much that he sent his Son and, and the whole picture of the gospel. See, here's a, a problem that is, as Christians start to share about God, can, can I just give you one more warning? If not careful, you make people into religious people instead of into Christ followers. Here's how we do that. We never get around to asking them to even make a decision to give their life to Christ. We tell them about Christ. We tell them about church. We tell them about all kinds of rules and regulations. Kind of sounds like the Pharisees in the Bible. We tell them about our political beliefs. We tell them about this. We tell them about that. And then we're talking about things that don't even matter. And And then all of a sudden we realize we've spent weeks and maybe months investing in somebody to make them a religious follower instead of a Jesus follower. The deep truth of the Bible is that for God so loved the world that he sent his only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That's the deep truth. Don't get caught up in the window dressing. So let me just challenge you as, as I, I bring this down to a close. See, we're getting ready to come into what we call an invitation, a decision time. We, we have a prayer team that's available on the upper level and the lower level on your back right-hand side. But here's the thing is, is we get to the end of a message. And if not careful, we go, oh yeah, that was some good information. And I, mm, I wonder if I can get out. I saw that cute girl. And I wonder if I, if I just kind of watched it, and I can make sure I could just accidentally bump into her in the foyer. Maybe I could get to know her this week. And, and oh, I need to hurry. And I need to get out quickly because if I get out quickly, I, I'll get out, you know, I can get to the restaurant before the crowd. And you know, it gets really busy after church and, and your mind just, could I just ask you to stop for a second? because I think God wants to do some work in your heart and my heart. See, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to this Savior, Jesus, that we love, and he said, go and reach all people. And he said to teach them, to to love them, and to build his church, and then he promises to be with us. And so if you've struggled with all people, maybe I think that we all have in some capacity, I want to ask you to say, God, show me what you want me to do And where do I need to repent and what needs to change and and confess that to God and ask for forgiveness on it? And then second of all, I wanna ask you and challenge you to say, who is it that you're praying for? Who is it that you're reaching out? Who is it that you're taking this message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to? I shared, you know, the average regular church attendee hasn't shared with anyone in the last six months. 61% has shared with no one the gospel. No. when that person's life is going to come to an, you don't know whether you have tomorrow you don't know if they have tomorrow the message that we've been given is too important to just hold it back to say let's go to church and let's be our little religious group and then go home that's not the dream of our savior i want to challenge you to say god Who is it you want me to reach? God, who is it you want me to start loving on? God, who is it that I need to reach out to? And he'll show you that. I want to ask you to pray about it this week, and then we're going to see that together we're stronger and that the body of Christ is going to start to spread. It's worth the effort. You're going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be awkward. But guess what? Somebody just might say yes when you say, do you want to give your life to Jesus? 30 years of praying for one of my best friends he just came to the Lord a couple weeks ago and he's died this last week and I almost gave up numerous times don't you dare give up the gospel is too important dear Lord I come before you the name above all names the name of Jesus and we proclaim you Lord, I ask in the name of Jesus that you would do a ministry right here in this church body. God, that each person who's listening, whether online, whether in the room, whether in the foyer, that they would say, God, I want your heart. I want to see this world through your eyes. And God, I ask that you would expand the kingdom. Come and be our God. Lord, whatever needs to be cleansed in our heart, whatever it is that needs to be broken out and and removed, and whatever it is we need to repent of, God, I ask that you would bring that to our heart and into our mind and into our eyes, that we would see it for what it is. We'd remove it with your help, and that you would make us whole through your Holy Spirit. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me and speak to him?